2: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge.
3: Okay, we're live, but you all know the drill. We got to let the stream breathe just for a couple of seconds. Make sure that we're nice and stable, getting green check marks across the board, and we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented as always by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me as always, my co-host, my partner in crime, my fellow football priest. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I don't know if you saw the article that Nick Kendall published on Thursday talking about the football outsiders who is in my opinion they have they've elevated themselves to the number 1 advanced analytics site in in you know pro football anyway over PFF but <clears throat> this article was football outsiders giving the, the Denver Broncos top you know they're in the top 5 in terms of best odds to land the number 1 overall pick and I know it's the smart guys I know it's the analytical number crunchers the metric guys and whatnot but To me, it still seems like it's ridiculously premature to even be thinking that way.
4: Not only – I mean – in terms of the season, it's only week three right now, in terms of that being premature to assume the Broncos are already out of it, to assume the Broncos are already thinking about the NFL draft, which is next April. And it's only September 24th is way too premature. And I, it's a trendy thing to do with Trevor Lawrence coming out and fields coming out. But my personal opinion is not going to change no matter who says what, Chad, no matter what data you can show me, I do not think the Broncos are going to have the number one overall draft pick. It's just as simple as that. There's too much talent on this team. The coaching staff, if they just coach to potential, is good enough to win. And they have some, I think, cupcake opponents on this docket, including the Jets coming up, including the Miami Dolphins. They still have divisional games. They're going to be, at worst, I would say, a seven-win team this year, with Locke being out on the longer end of that spectrum. On the shorter end, they could still make a playoff push. I'm not waving the white flag, and I'm certainly not thinking about the number one overall pick. Because to me, it's completely implausible.
3: I agree. I mean, there's just, as it stands now, there's too many fish still left to be fried. And this is something that Josie Jewell talked about. I think it was on Tuesday was his media availability. But the fact that, you know, one thing that's different, I know all the injuries, they've been to star players, and we've talked about that and commiserated about that for two weeks now. But one thing that's different this time around compared to you know the past few years post-Super Bowl 50 is that the chickens have come home to roost for Elway in a good way. These last three drafts, they've been able to really stockpile and build up some some quality depth. And so I think if Pat Shermer, Mike Shula, if they can work their magic and kind of band-aid, um, you know, Band-Aid dress Jeff Driscoll and get him through these next three games, I think there's still enough depth and quality depth on this roster, Zach – to compete, keep it competitive, get Drew Locke back in there, and then pedal to the metal.
4: And Chad, I mean, think about it. They should have won the opening game against the Titans. They were a couple points away from beating the Pittsburgh Steelers at Pittsburgh after losing Drew Locke. So you can make a case the Broncos should be 2-0 and right now. And with or without Locke, 2-0, and the season takes a much different outlook. So this schedule, as you're going through it, I see some winnable games on there. I certainly don't see a team that's going to finish 2-14 and or 3-13 and in order to get the number one overall pick. I just don't see it happening. I mean, the Panthers, you got the Jets, the Dolphins, they always play hard for the Chargers and the Raiders games. If, if Like I said, if if Pat Shermer can take his head out of his you-know-where and just be situationally better with play calling, and like you said, manage Dr- Jeff Driscoll along until Lockett's back in the game, utilize the running game, utilize the rest of the receivers that you have, they can be competitive throughout the course of the season. So I'm not even thinking draft right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, let's just take a quick forecast, and then we'll dive into – the Mile High Mailbag, because it is that time of the week where Zach and I take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag. We are your football priests, and each and every week, we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. We're going to get to those. But real quick, I just want to run through this. So, of course, Tom Brady and the Bucks coming up this week. We're going to talk a lot about that game here this evening, and I'm sure that game's on y'all's mind as well. Week four is at Jets, and it's not a game that you want to necessarily Consider it to be a gimme because the Broncos made that mistake a couple of years ago and got That's embarrassed right. by Sam Darnold and, and Adam Gase. You can never underestimate the, you know, vendetta juice, the vendetta emotion that Gase still has and harbors for John Elway. Week five, the New England Patriots, unfortunately, are stacking up to be a much better team in reality than they appear to be on paper in the in the uh, offseason. Week six, though, is the Dolphins. That's a little bit easier. Week seven, of course, Chiefs. And that one is in Denver. If they do get Drew Locke back, maybe a miracle can happen there. And then they get their, their bye. Then they come out of the bye. They get Atlanta in Atlanta. That's an East Coast game, which is not favorable. But Atlanta hasn't impressed me up to this point. No defense whatsoever. No defense. And then here's where I get a little bit worried, though, is the Raiders are a team that you and I talked about is, hey, you know, everyone hates the Raiders. But you we got to, to tell them. though. This team's legit guys and yeah. you know the Broncos are going to have their work cut out for them. I think even splitting with them again this year like they've done the last few years that would be a a, a victory of sorts. But then it's so it's at Vegas in 10, week 11 home against the Chargers, week 12 the Saints, that's going to be a tough one at home. Then on the road at Arrowhead, week 13 Panthers, week 14 which you don't know what version of the Panthers you're going to get by the time you get to week 14 and that goes for all these teams. Buffalo Bills week 15 uh, Chargers in L.A. week 16 and then a homestand to close out the season week 17. So, Zach, the first half, in my opinion, the first half of that schedule is markedly stiffer for the Broncos. And yeah. it just so happens to come at the most, I wouldn't say inopportune time, but it's the, the, the coincidence or the timing of all these injuries happening on the first half slate of schedule. That's where it's really this team's going to have to find ways, work overtime to overcome that. And, you know, the
4: encouraging thing is, while they haven't shown it through two weeks from a coaching aspect, they have the talent to do so. They can stay afloat until week seven when Locke is circling the calendar to come back into the starting lineup. It can happen. Um, They have the personnel. They have the defensive firepower and the coaching. I wonder, though, if to get to that point, what are they going to look like by the time that Chiefs game does roll around? This Buccaneers game chat in terms of playoffs and morale is gonna tell us a lot of what we need to know about the 2020 Broncos, where they go from here, whether it can be a nine and seven season still by some miracle, or it's gonna be another six and ten, seven and nine type campaign. We're gonna know a lot more about seven thirty on Sunday
3: evening. All right, guys, we're gonna to get to your questions. <clears throat> First, just a couple of quick matters of business. Gang, this podcast, of course, is this, this live stream is sponsored by sportsbedding.com. Head on over to sportsbetting.com. I'm going to put the link right here in the chat stream. It's a, it's a link unique to MHH. It's simply sportsbetting.com slash huddle. But here's why you want to head over there. You can enter into their 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $500. Bucks. Not just one bet, all of your bets. Play for a week. If your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the differences up to 500 bucks head on over to sportsbedding.com slash mile high huddle and get in on that action. All right, Zach, couple of other quick things Then we'll dive right into the mailbag gang. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at huddle up pod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on with this podcast with Zach and myself in real time. And then while you're at it, follow at mile high huddle for breaking Broncos news and analysis. Keep yourself plugged in. Also gentle reminder, head on over to huddle up pod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself one of these MHH trucker hats. Get the football priest hat that you got that you see Zach rocking, the Let Them Hate shirt, the football pre shirt. There's mugs, as you can see behind me on the shelf there. There's a, there's hoodies. There's face masks. There's a little something for everybody. It's one way that you can support what we're doing here at Mile High Huddle. And if you're not in a position to patronize the merch store, it's all good. Any one of these three things, in fact, all three of these things, each and every one of you can do. And they all Add up. It all makes a huge difference, especially if you're on YouTube. Subscribe. If you're on Facebook, follow. If you're on Twitter, follow. Like this episode, this podcast, the video on YouTube and Facebook. And if you really love what Zach and I are bringing to you, seven nights a week here at Mile High Huddle, share this video out there. Help us continue to grow, and we are growing exponentially, and reach new like-minded listeners in Broncos country just like you.
2: This is the
3: Overtime Podcast Network. (laughs) Broncos country, listen up. Core Seltzer isn't your average seltzer. Rooted in Core's long history of sustainability, is a brand that was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Core Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. So whatever you're doing by simply cracking open a can of Core Seltzer, you're volunteering. Listen, gang, our waterways are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. Through a partnership with Change the Course, Core Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Here's how it works. Each pack of Coors Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. And the results will blow your mind. One billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., and that's just year one. And, gang, there are four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. So enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon, lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in. Coors Seltzer is 4.5% ABV. And it's only 90 calories. And Zach, let me tell you, I've got my eye on that black cherry. Yeah, it's nothing better, Chad. The the
4: weather's turning. It's getting cooler. It's football season. Nothing better than kicking back with a Coors. I like the mango personally, but they're all pretty good. Nothing better, Chad.
3: Join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Seltzer. You can become a volunteer and restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Seltzer. You help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers it's that simple. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12 pack sold through 831 2021,
4: Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
3: Fort Worth, Texas. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props. Epic bonuses and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At MyBookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice, because the NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action, use promo code OVERTIME, and double your first deposit. New players get up to a 1000 bucks in free play, which is designed to add more excitement to the sport's you already love and the games that you bet bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big use promo code overtime and double your first deposit your winning season begins today only at MyBookie, and here's the best part overtime is going all in for our listeners we're giving away 500 bucks cash to one lucky person who takes advantage of this offer when you make your deposit, just take a screen grab of your MyBookie account and email it to overtime at advertisecast.com. That's overtime at advertisecast.com. 500 bucks given away at the end of September. All right, Zach, let's grab our first question of the day. Or sometimes, again, it's topics. Sometimes it's helping fans exercise the demons. But it's from a familiar face, a superstar in the community. We Everyone knows him, everyone loves him. Mr. Boggins, appreciate you, dog. Thank you, sir. He says, it's a trap game for the Bucks. The Broncos will come out pissed off and ready. Also, Michael Ojemudia will finally get to keep an interception. And then using the old Brandon Perna hashtag that is, uh, you know, held dearly in the hearts of Broncos country, FYTB. Zach, your thoughts. Could be. Uh, this is a, a
4: def- I'm not scared of the Buccaneers one-bit, chat. I was going to say this is definitely a winnable game for Denver. Every game is winnable. This is the NFL where things can change on a weekly basis. After week one, every- everyone was throwing Brady out with the bathwater, saying he's 43 and washed. They won last week. Everyone's saying TB12 is back. This is a winnable game for Denver. If they just slow down Brady, uh, I'm not worried about the running game. The defense is beatable. It's at Denver. This could be a Broncos victory very easy, so I wouldn't count them out at all.
3: No. No. I wish I had your faith on Oja Media. I'm still skeptical of him being ready for the primetime, my friend. I mean, this game is not on primetime, but you get what I'm saying here. Uh, Hopefully, you know, you got Justin Simmons back there. You've got Kareem Jackson, and Kareem talked about it today, in fact, that, you know, maybe he puts in a little extra TLC to game day when the rookies are on the field at cornerback, you know, making sure they know what the call is, making sure they know what their respective responsibilities are on the call. And you know they they're gonna it's going to take a village against Tom Brady because it's not just Tom Brady as we'll get more into here in tonight's podcast. It's a very talented supporting cast offensively, and we're we'll get yeah. more uh, into that more here. Uh, appreciate you, Boggins. Jake Gerard also longtime superstar. Love Thank you, bud. You. How do we win? No offense, but for both. And, and Zach, on that point, I want to read to you this quote today because we got to talk to Pat Shermer. It was great hearing from him. And, of course, he received the obligatory Noah Fant question, the idea that, hey, there have been eight quarters so far, but he's only basically participated in uh, four of them. Here's what he said about Noah Fant being shut out one half in each of the first two games. Quote, this is Shermer. What I would say is that he's been productive in two of the games. And those other halves, we're trying to throw it around. But he's got nine or ten catches, and he's gotten in the end zone twice. Every once in a while, they'll take something away or try and do something else, but we do try and throw him the ball. It's not that segmented where you go away from him in certain halves. I do think that if the guys are doing their stuff and he's running good routes, then he'll get the ball. I do think it is a small sample size to start surmising that kind of stuff but we're really enjoying working with him every day. You see him get a little bit better every day in practice and in the games, close quote. So he, he kind of bristled a little bit. It's hard to read tonality when you're just reading a quote like that verbatim, but he wow. did bristle a little bit about the notion that Fant is getting ignored in basically half a game so far.
4: Did he say uh, that they're throwing it around? Why not throw it to Noah Fant? I-, I don't understand. That's your leading receiver after the first half. He was on pace for 100 yards in the season opener in the first half of that game Then went ignored in the second half. He is the play caller. And did he just challenge Noah Fant to be better and to run better routes and he'll get the ball? He was your leading receiver in week one. This isn't hard. He is right now your best player on offense. He is your biggest playmaker. Get him the ball until the defense proves they can stop him. He's the play caller. I- I don't know. I don't
3: know. You know, I I get what he's saying. All right. And oftentimes in these scenarios, I find myself kind of defending the, these coaches for some of the things they say, because I do try and be empathetic a little bit, try and put myself in their shoes. And I think what he's trying to say is it's not that we're making any kind of a concerted effort to go away from FANT because the routes are the routes. You know, he runs the routes. It's that sometimes the, whatever the opponent's doing dictates the ball goes somewhere else. And, I get that, Zach. That's that's a fair point. But at the same time, I think what media guys like us fans, I think what everyone's kind of trying to say here, not to necessarily say that he should be listening to what everyone else is saying. But the point is, there needs to be a little bit more of a concerted effort to feed the ball.
4: Yeah, I mean, look what happened against Pittsburgh, which has a better defense than Tennessee. He scored on them. I mean, when you get Noah Fant the ball, a good thing has happened. And if the defense shuts him down, the defense shuts him down. But you got to keep getting him the ball until either someone else steps up or the defense makes a play. He is your biggest
3: playmaker right now. To me, until that happens, it's excuses, Chad. Zach, how scared are you of Shaquille Barrett? Because. Of course, reigning sack champion from last year, 19 uh, sacks, I believe it was, and got himself a franchise tag. He's making some money this year. He's yet to register a sack. That's one thing he and Bradley Chubb have in common up to this point in the young 2020 season. Meanwhile, Jason Pierre-Paul has got two, and uh, you know, Shaq Barrett's still trying to get on the board. So going against Garrett Bowles, I'll just tell you, I'm not so worried about Shaq to be honest with you. But again, it's what do you got, what's gonna happen on the other side of the line with Elijah Wilkinson. The one thing I'll say is Shaq Barrett is not a speed rusher and neither is Pierre Paul at this age, you know, this stage in his career. That's one mercy I think that the football fates are are passing on to the Broncos this this week.
4: I kind of had a feeling after last year, Shaq Barrett will never do that again. That was a once-in-a-blue-moon, breakout, fluke-type season. And credit to Shaq Barrett, he he was always the better pass rusher between him and Shane Ray, but 19-and-a-half sacks, that's a lot. That's an outlier. So I'm not surprised he came crashing down to earth. Though I will say, as good as Garrett Bowles is playing, who has intimate knowledge of Garrett Bowles? And that's Shaquille Barrett. So that's that's a good one-on-one to match up to watch. And also, you put anyone, you put you on Elijah Wilkinson, chat, and I'm scared of that matchup. So Jason JPP one hand or not is still a lethal pass rusher. And then as a bookend against this offensive line, which can crumble very easily, I'm scared for Jeff Driscoll. Still. I'm not going to lie. I,
3: I could see it right now, Zach. I'm lined up against Wilkinson. My get off. I explode. <laughs> yeah. My Achilles pops. Boom. Gone. No, you you can crawl down. around him, Chad. He has no put me on IR. That'd be over. Dude. <laughs> All right. Levi jumping in, who has now established himself as a bona fide superstar in our community. And, We really appreciate you, Levi, and the consistency. And, you know, it goes a long way, my friend. It really does help keep the lights on here at MHH on YouTube. And, you you know, we got a shirt coming your way. So make sure, by the way, and this goes for any of our community members who purchase something off HuddleUpPod.com, whether it's a hat, a shirt, a hoodie, a face mask. When you get your swag, send us a DM uh, or an email, milehighhuddle at gmail.com with a selfie because we love showing that out there on our social media and putting it on Instagram. It's really fun for us. We get a thrill, and we get to shout you guys out. So appreciate you, Levi. Uh, He says, what's up, fellas? How do we stop Chris Godwin and Mike Evans? That's a really good question. It's one that the Broncos themselves are kind of groping for an answer for at this point, Zach, especially considering that Michael Ojemudia kind of coming off a welcome-to-the-NFL type of rookie experience last week, Aseng Basi, I think, has done really well up to this yeah. point, to be frank, playing the nickel. But outside the numbers, what I would do, the, I think your best-case scenario is, and I know Fangio doesn't like to man up all that much. He likes to run coverage. He likes to play off. But if I'm Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel, I'm lining up Michael Ojemudia on Mike Evans to try and match length to length because, what is he, one? I want to say, is Ogimudia. And even though Evans is 6'3", or 6'4", or something like that, He's longer with the arms, with the height, with the body. He's bigger. So, you know, Evans still one of the best wideouts in the game, but I'm hedging by obviously Moody is going to play. So I'm putting him on Evans. I'm putting Callahan on Godwin. And then I'm shading a little help for my safeties, depending on, you know, what the look is. And then, Zach, last thing here is the this is one of those games where, you know, the, Tampa Bay is kind of like the Broncos, where they got tight ends coming out of their ears. This is one of those games yeah. where, Kareem Jackson and the linebackers are really gonna have to, you know, earn their keep, so to speak, sing for their supper.
4: The short answer here is you don't stop them. They're gonna get their yards. To contain both of them to, you know, 20 yards on two catches is impossible. They're great receivers, and Brady is still shown that he has some magic left in that arm. The the longer answer is you can try to limit them. And by doing that, Chad, I agree with you. Put Ojemudia or Devontae Bosby on Mike Evans. Match power with power. Physical guys, long, lanky guys, and hope for the best. This is a game where Bryce Callahan, for one, is going to have to earn his money. He's making $7 million per year. He gave the Broncos nothing last year. And a game for Justin Simmons, who is underwhelming against the Titans. He had kind of had a rebound game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he hasn't been the NFL's best safety for two weeks. If he wants to be paid like that, Chad, it's time to come up and make some plays in this game containing those two big receivers. I'm right there with you. Bracket them, double cover them, put your big lanky physical corners on them, shade some safety help, and pray to God.
3: And we were talking about it before we went live here tonight. You know, neither one of us are all that afraid of, uh, Leonard Fournette, and I'm going to knock on wood, because last time he was in Denver, he rushed for over 200 yards last year oh. as a Jag in week four. However, Emery. it was that game that precipitated the mighty shift on that defense where Fangio woke up and said, why am I playing Shelby Harris at nose tackle? He kicked Shelby out, benched Adam Gotsis, kicked Shelby outside the defensive end, brought in Mike Purcell at the nose, and then you know basically sat down Josie Jewell, who at that point in his defense had been nursing an injury, in comes Alexander Johnson and the rest is history. They went on to be an extremely stingy defense and still are against the run. So I think uh, you know, I think they're going to be able to, for the most part, keep him in check. It's going to be that play action game. You got to watch for AJ and Josie biting on that play action. It's just, yeah. it never stops with those guys biting on, on PA. But let's grab Duke Boynton jumping in. Uh bona fide superstar. Thank you, Duke. Always stoked to have you in the stream, my friend. And uh, you know, it's good to see you. Really appreciate it. He says, Denver beats Tampa 27-17. Mm. On the road to 17-2 and two <laughs> until proven otherwise. Love the optimism. Uh, I want to say the over-under. Let me pull up the uh, article Carl Dummler had for us here at milehighhuddle.com. Utilizing the odds and the spread from sportsbetting.com. Let me find this real quick. Bear with me a second. I want to say, Zach, it's 43 if I'm not mistaken, let me just grab it. I'm almost there. That sounds about uh, 43 and a half. So are you taking the over or the under on that? I'm taking the under. I can see this game. I I don't know.
4: I just don't see a shootout. Maybe if Locke was playing and, and the Broncos had their full weapon chests available, I think it'd be, you know, a 25, 23 type game. But if the Broncos are to win, it's going to be some sort of 21 17 type game. A defensive oriented game. You're going to see some touchdowns, but it's not going to be an overwhelmingly offensive game. So, I'm taking the under, chat.
2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
3: Broncos Country gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado, and if you want to get in on the action, you got to check out sportsbetting.com where you got sharp odds and low juice in-house bookmakers. They're not a third-party provider of odds. Reduced juice, best prices, and it's hassle-free bonuses with a one-time rollover, which means the bonus money is yours after you bet it one time. Other sites range from 5 to 30 times, and you get 24-7 live customer support, always a real person in the United States. And here's the best part. Sportsbetting.com is offering a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to 500 bucks not just one bet but all of your bets play for a week and if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to 500 bucks with a one time Roll over. Head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle and get in
0: on the action. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out in the town or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500 or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative Canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.
1: Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates.
3: Yeah, so in Duke's score prediction, he'd be taking the over and... Look, minus six. I don't have the thread in front of me. Maybe I'll pull it up here uh, when I get a chance while we're while we're talking here. But I know Andrew Mason had a really interesting thread on Twitter earlier today, uh, kind of just listing the historical precedents in terms of <clears throat> going against Tom Brady in Denver, also against you know the Broncos' history going against the spread at home, being the home dog where they're you know minus six. So if I can find that, I'll pull it up. But it's worth it's worth. Checking out if we get some time, I'll definitely pull that up here tonight. But let's get back to the chat stream. Uh, Lauren here says, Listen, Tom Brady will not allow himself to be defeated by a Jeff Driscoll. I get what you're saying there, but remember, football is the ultimate team sport. And Tom Brady is not, this is not even the same Tom Brady of 2015 that, you know, took the Broncos all the way to the wire in the AFC title game and went on the next year to win a Super Bowl. You know, he is, as I mean, long in the tooth. He's about as long as it gets when it comes to the NFL. And even though, you know, Kareem Jackson, today's act saying, Hey man, he can still make all the throws. It looks like the same old Tom Brady to me. Same with Vic Fangio. I think anyone who's been paying attention the last two years in particular, yes. you can tell that there's a little mustard that's kind of evaporated and you know, he's, he's still got that football brain and he still can make the throws. He just a little oomph that's missing. And, you know, he's not quite as familiar with every there's more weapons on this offense than he had in New England in the last few years. But he's still, I think, Zach, getting used to that collection of talent. So, you know, there are some mitigating circumstances that don't make this the, the, the you know, the traditional infallible Tom Brady matchup.
4: It's funny that Kareem Jackson said that because I was going to say it's not the same Tom Brady as even 2018. He's kind of really fallen off, and a lot of people ignore it because it's the mystique of Tom Brady, but that mystique was kind of the luster is off. He got bounced out of the first round last year, lost to a Ryan Tannehill quarterback team. So to lose a Jeff Driscoll with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a year like 2020 where anything can happen wouldn't be out of the ordinary. The Broncos can beat this team. It's definitely possible.
3: Great points there from Kenneth Booker. Hey, Tom Brady allowed himself to be beaten by Brock Osweiler. I was yep. at that game in the snow. What a phenomenal game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you just can't look at the matchup that way. George Fox wants to know, I wonder if we get Drew back before or after the bye week. And the bye week, again, is, is week eight. I just had it in front of me, week eight. Is. Yeah. So that's a perfect spot in the season. I mean, the Broncos got blessed this time around for when their bye week falls. Because it literally is right in the middle of the season where the team can kind of lick its wounds, gather itself back up, and then you know, hit the hit the home stretch. So week eight, Zach, I think. So what do we got? Week three, week four, week five, uh, week week three, week four, week five, week six, that game is um going back to hold on. Jeez, I almost is the Dolphins game. I think that's the game you probably get Drew Locke back. And so you're, I think you'll get two more games with Locke. Pre buy, but that's not a guarantee. You know, it all depends, Zach, on how quickly he recovers. And at least he's young. What is he, 23. You heal a heck of a lot quicker when you're 23, I can tell you, than when you're 40. <laughs> I I could definitely
4: see Locke coming back. I, I don't know if they're going to throw him right in there in that Chiefs game in Week 7 because it comes right before a bye week, and it comes right after an easier game against the Dolphins. So, tough position to be in. It's going to all depend on how uh, Locke's shoulder responds to treatment, how he feels in a couple weeks. I think that Brock was not placing him on IR. It's a week-by-week thing. They're going to check in on him. Uh, they're going to tell him how he feels and vice versa, and they're going to go from there. I would not be surprised to see him back before the bye week at all, Chad. I think that's the expectation right now, as a matter of fact.
3: Yeah. All right. uh, Let me see what else we got here. We want to try and keep it as balanced as possible in the mile-high mailbag. Uh, Greg wants to know. Good to see you, Greg. Rocking the Let Him Hate shirt. Appreciate you, my friend. Do we know what the specifics are of the Blake Bortles contract? As of right before we went live, I am not aware – Zach, I haven't seen anything unless you have, but I'll just check the usual suspects who tend to break that kind of information. Starting with Cliss here, I don't want to waste too much time, but I don't think that information is known yet. Great. Probably a incentive late in one year deal. If that, oh, a yeah. minimum type deal. All right. Let's uh, really quickly here. We have a few questions uh, from our Facebook Official Facebook supporters, we got to get to. Um, Josh wants to know, though, real quick first. How do you guys feel about Judy, Jerry Judy? I'm high on him, and I believe he can be a very productive wide, wide receiver if he can catch those hard passes. Yeah, I'm not, there's nothing, despite some bumps in the road and some struggles, I haven't seen anything from Jerry Judy up to this point that's made me doubt that the Broncos made the right decision drafting him at 15. I still, you know, my heart was set on, on CeeDee Lamb, but they wanted Jerry Judy, they got him. And I think he's, you know, it's a trial by fire for him. And I think this this year he's going to learn a lot about himself. And, yeah. uh, you know, the good news is he doesn't have to do it all himself. Like Cortland Sutton last year, Zach, especially once Emmanuel got shipped off. I mean, he was doing all the heavy lifting, even though a fan helped out time to time. But he was just swallowed up in the rookie learning curve. Yeah. And so this is not that. And that's the good news for Jerry Judy.
4: Yeah, there, there is definitely an argument to be made right now through two games whether the Broncos should have taken CeeDee Lamb over Jerry Judy. I mean, it's just an argument and a case you can make, but it's amazing that before the season, there was so much Jerry Judy hype, especially after those footwork videos and what he brought to the, the Broncos offense with Cortland Sutton and through two games because he dropped a few passes we're we're still hedging our bets against him being a productive receiver. He's going to be a great pro in the NFL for the Broncos for a very long time. These drop passes are all technique and mental issues right now. And we mentioned it yesterday, Chad, the difference uh in in college versus the pros is what he's adapting to right now and being the, the 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 small fish in a big pond and having all these responsibilities on him. He once he learns to just get and secure the ball before running, he's going to show all his trademark moves off and the fans will love him again. So don't jump ship. It's easily correctable. He has all the moves still, and he's going to be a good receiver for a long time.
3: All right. Our Facebook supporters shout out to you guys. And if you're among our ever growing Facebook community and audience out there, you want to become an official supporter. You want to get direct access to your football priests and the MHH staff. Just go to facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. You see the big blue button that says become a supporter. Click that, boom, you're in, and you'll be in on this type of stuff. Uh, Jerry, jumping in, Jerry Holland, his question in the mailbag today is, um, how many games does a new Broncos quarterback have to win out of the gate before folks will not <laughs> want to throw him under the bus and rally to tank? <laughs> Hashtag let them hate. You know, kind of uh, working out some hormones there in that particular question, kind of uh, rhetorical. but. You know, I think with Jeff Driscoll, Zach, fans have to be at least pleasantly surprised that yeah. he was able to contend and kind of go toe to toe there in the second half once he got his blood pumping. I mean, he came off cold, very few reps that, that week, of course, because he's the backup and Drew's young. So because Drew's young, the starter's young, he gets even more of the first team reps than maybe a traditional backup, um, you know, or traditional starting quarterback. He was cold. I was impressed ultimately. There was a bunch of things I, w- I would wish back for Jeff Driscoll, especially as it related to taking sacks. But Zach, he made some dang good throws in that game and almost, almost brought the Broncos back.
4: Chad, with that offensive line, I'm not holding anything against him, and, and, and for that performance coming in cold like you just mentioned, and throwing two touchdowns and almost leading the Broncos to victory, if not for questionable play calling, I don't know how any Denver fan can watch that game and not be at least encouraged that Driscoll can hold the Ford until Locke gets healthy, especially considering what we've seen from Broncos quarterbacks the last five years. A backup who no one knows, is it because he has no name value? Because he's not Blake Bortles or Case Keenum? Is that why Broncos fans don't care? He was very impressive for a backup and this is why we like this move when it was made them signing Jeff Driscoll because he's always been kind of an underrated backup he can we can throw he can move around with his legs he can come in and help your team win very good number two guy to have and that's why when they signed Bortles I was like for what
3: you have your temporary starter until locks back in the game so that's how I feel all right let's grab this next question here from Steve Griffith good to see you Steve and by the way Steve is going to be our next superstar segment because he is both a a Facebook supporter, and a Super Chat superstar. And we're not, we are not—we don't have a date quite yet for that, but it probably is going to end up being next Wednesday. Steve, if you are going to be available, reach out. Let me know if that doesn't work. But he says, where in the world is Carmen San Sandiego? Haha, JK, do you guys foresee Blake Bortles leapfrogging into a backup or starting role prior to Locke returning? Well, he's definitely going to be the backup right. until Locke returns. Let me know. Yeah. We don't know for sure this week quite yet. Even the Broncos don't know. He practiced today for the first time wearing the number five, which is his traditional uh, number as a pro might've even been in college. But uh, my guess is he'll probably be the backup this week, but he'll definitely be the backup. And Fangio even said uh, it was either yesterday or today. He was asked directly about, Hey, is, you know, is Bortles? Cause Bortles has the pedigree, right? Even though he's flamed out, he's got the first round pedigree and all that stuff. So, You know, as as journalists, you kind of and fans too, you kind of gravitate to that pedigree because right now there's nothing much left to really hold on to. Jeff Driscoll, what was he a fourth, fifth round pick, something like that from the Niners, if I'm not mistaken. And so Bortles, you know, there's a lot of attention and scrutiny on him. But Fangio said, no, 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 he's coming in to be the backup for now. It's Jeff Driscoll, barring an injury. And then even today, Zach uh, Pat Shermer said in in talking about Driscoll and some of his pros and cons and what he liked, what he's seen. He mentioned that you know if you stand next to him, he's a big man. Like it, it feels like you're standing next to a tight end. So he's strong, he's big, he's physical, and that he feels like he can play that to his advantage out there on the grass. So, and barring an injury or just a completely unforeseen meltdown, I think Driscoll is the bridge between now and when they get locked back.
4: Yeah, he's definitely going to be the backup, and I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be shocked to see the Broncos activate three quarterbacks for uh, the upcoming game against the Buccaneers. They have no faith in Brett Rippon as the backup. That's obvious. It was an indictment to Bortles' edition on Rippon, not on Driscoll, not on Locke. So he will be the backup. Uh, I think Jeff Driscoll will play good enough to hold the Ford until Locke gets back, but you know what? If he literally falls on his face against the Bucs, if he throws four interceptions or or goes Nathan Peterman – I can really see Elway putting the pressure on Fangio, knowing how Elway is with veteran quarterbacks. You have to know that John is loving having a former first-round quarterback in the building as your backup right now with the name cachet of Blake Bortles. So if Jeff Driscoll just bombs horribly, I would not be surprised to see Bortles start
0: one game at least between now and Drew Locke's return.
2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Paid for by America First Legal.
3: This is not something I would normally uh, just put out there, you know, random websites and whatnot. But Albert Knoppers is a guy that I trust. And, you know, Broncos country is not a geographic location, it is a hashtag state of being. And not everyone has easy access to watching the games live. So I'm going to go ahead and read this comment because Albert's just trying to be helpful. He says, if you don't have TV or cable, you should try lowcast.org. It's free. You can select the antenna that broadcasts from Denver. That way you see all the Bronco games. It's free, but they do ask for donations. So I checked it out while uh, Zach was talking there. It looks legit. So good information for those uh, who aren't living in market. Appreciate that, Albert. All right, let me catch up here to our superstars that are have been waiting patiently in the chat stream. Um, bear with me just one second here. Let's grab Chris. Everyone knows Chris, 24-year veteran of the Air Force, We are so grateful for your service, my friend, and uh, we love you. We appreciate you. He says, uh, uh, by the way, hashtag feed Amen, dog. Amen. (laughs) Zach, that kind of brings me to something as we jump from Chris's super chat to the next one here. Draw it up, figuratively speaking. If you were to go take a three-day nap, okay, and you woke up Sunday night and you're turning on Twitter and you see the Broncos beat the Bucks. Sounds pretty good right now. What? (laughs) That would sound like a nice, (laughs) kind of a weird long nap, but nevertheless, what would you assume if you wake up and you read that headline were the reasons the Broncos were able to beat the Bucs? Offense. Offense.
4: I mean, it's got to contain Brady, but I think they can be had the, the Buccaneers defense, and if they just score touchdowns and not settle for field goals, that will be the biggest determining factor. Because the Broncos have Brady's number. Even in New England, I know he's not playing there anymore, but they just have something about uh, containing Tom Brady. They can limit this Bucs offense. The difference, like it always will be for every Broncos game going forward through eternity, is the offense. Can they do enough to win this game? And if that happens, I know the, the premise of what you're saying, Chad. If they score Enough points, Fan is going to be the biggest beneficiary. I was laughing because when you said that, I thought of a new t shirt,
3: Let Him Eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, let him that's, mean. that's going to be the next one now. Feed the Fan, let Him Eat. That's right. Um, I think that's a good answer. And I, honestly, I think that it comes down to defensively limiting the ground game. I know everyone wants to focus on Brady and for dang good reason, but I think it comes to shutting down the run and limiting the splash play. If you can do those two things, You're going to keep this offense in the game. And then on that side of the coin, you know, Pat Schirmer, I wrote about this today. We mentioned it, uh, I think it was last night. He's going to have to conjure up some of that old magic from 2017 that he did with Case Keenum when, you know, the Vikings had the world by the you-know-what in uh, 2017 with their perceived franchise quarterback at the time to be Sam Bradford, of course, who they had acquired via trade. They were gung-ho loaded for Bear, and then Bradford goes down. If it wasn't week one, it was week two. And at that point, it was Case Keenum. Now, let's not forget, Case Keenum at that point in his career, Zach, was a journeyman's journeyman. Like, he had accomplished nothing. I mean, 2013, undrafted rookie, signs with Kubiak and the and the Texans, goes on to start a bunch of games, doesn't win any of them. And he's, you know, had a little bit of modest, you know, success, I guess, with the Rams, but it was so modest that – uh you know, it, it it could not forestall the drafting of Jared Goff. So he goes on over to Minnesota and, you know, he's kind of an afterthought. They're like, yeah, all right, let's bring in Keenum. He ended up saving the day and that was Pat Shermer's doing. So I think if Pat Shermer can kind of figure out how, get into that mindset and that mode and kind of be a, um, you know, a football Gandalf and, and conjure some magic here, re- you know, reconjure re- some magic from 2017 and really just, you know, Look, Driscoll doesn't have to be uh, Drew Locke. He doesn't have to be, you know, the next prolific quarterback in terms of stats and numbers. He needs to be efficient. He needs to protect the ball, stop taking those unnecessary sacks, and uh, feed the playmakers. And if he can do those things, I like the Broncos' chances of, of putting up enough points while Fangio can keep the Bucks limited on their offense of keeping this thing close. Now, Isaiah jumping in, eleven twenty seven on Super Chat. Appreciate you, you, my friend two nights in a row we welcome you and we appreciate you he says is albert o in the doghouse fant and albert o would be nasty together with that speed zach he's not in the doghouse per se it's just simply that he he can't block the coaches don't trust him to block and until he does uh, until they can he's not going to see the field much although here's what i'll say zach right now you need as much help and firepower offensively as you can get so I would at least start dressing him. I know you got to take away from other spots when you dress someone. Like they either, if they're a depth guy, they got to be able to play special teams and, you know, tight end roster math plays a big role in that. Don't dress Vanette for one game. Let Butt be your co blocker there with Fant and run some packages in the Red Zones Act with Fant and Alberto and just totally discombobulate the brain of that Bucks defensive coordinator.
4: Chad, the second part of that question is why the first part was asked is because all these Broncos fans were expecting to have the Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez duo right out of the gates. And I was at least one that was kind of warning and cautioning. Alberto is a very raw prospect. He can run really fast and good in a straight line. He can't do much other than that. So it's, it's, it's going to take a while, and the Broncos carrying all these veteran tight end shows they're not going to gamble on someone young at that position. I'm right there with you. I would cut Nick Van right now. He brings literally nothing to the table. He causes more harm than good being on the roster or on the field. But Albert O. Is, must not be showing something in practice. I don't think it's a doghouse. I think it's the rookie house. And a rookie tight end is so hard to translate. Look at Noah Fant last year, Chad, into the NFL. It's one of the toughest toughest positions to carry over from college. He could be a contributor, but that pick, I think, was made for 2021 and beyond. Not really this year.
3: Yeah, you're right. I mean, he doesn't have the twitchy explosiveness that that Fant does in terms of, you know, route running and coming out of his breaks and cutting and all that. He's great, as you said. Speed in a in a straight line, four four nine, faster than fan, technically in a straight line, and he can go up and get the ball like a basketball player. That's why he's good. He's he's good in the red zone, and he and Locke had a lot of connections like that, especially corner outs in college at Missouri, uh, a Mizzou that is. So, but again, I would like to see it, but it does come down to roster math in terms of do you have the bodies that can effectuate good special teams coverage. We don't know that. Tom El Greco jumping in with a super chat looks like Thank he too so. is north of the 49th parallel. So Tom appreciate you, my friend up there in Canada. And uh, I think that's two nights in a row. We've had you on super chat. So welcome. And, and uh, really appreciate you. If you're on Twitter, make sure you reach out and connect with Zach and I, so we can shout you out after the podcast, Mike Evans, bonafide. When I say bonafide, I mean bonafide super capital, capital B baby. Um, appreciate you, Mike. And, uh, you know, hey, that stadium behind you, a couple days from now, it's going to have almost 6,000 Broncos fans in it, and it's a drop in the bucket compared to the 70-some-odd thousand. What Was it, 76 and change that that can uh, capacity the mile-high stadium? But 6,000 better than no 1,000. So I think any juice they can get from the fans is, is a positive. But Mike says, what letter grade would you give our offense and our defense the first two games? Appreciate uh. you. Mike, not as much as we appreciate you, my friend. That's a good question. I would give the defense, honestly, I'd give the defense, they'd be getting an A-plus from me if it weren't for that final drive against the Titans. And that docks them. I'm going to say B-plus for the defense. I really will because I think they've kept these games manageable and outside of that collapse in in week one, I can't go any, any anywhere besides that. The offense, I'm just giving them like a passing C. Like that's it for now. <laughs> they got, you know, and that can change, but – New coordinator, new quarterback, another new quarterback. It's going to take some time to gel, and they got to do it on the fly while they still, you know, try to win games at the same time.
4: Can I say incomplete? Is that a cop-out cop out answer? Because we haven't seen we haven't seen the roster at full strength. We haven't seen what they can be with either. You know, Cortland Sutton or Von Miller. I'm I'm with you. I think the defensive effort, even though they haven't been getting a lot of sacks or interceptions, uh, they kind of been. You know, letting down in crunch time. I'm going to say solid B, considering all the talent that they've lost and had to shuffle through the offense. That's really tough to grade because look at all the injuries. They changed quarterbacks, new coaching. I'm going to say C minus. I mean, they have to be, but that's more on the coaching chat. I think the players for me get a C plus, and the coaching get to C minus. If they can just be coached better, like the third and two, the fourth and two, the the fourth and one goal line shovel toss, I can't put that on the players. I put that on the coaching. So
3: C minus overall, I think for the offense. That's fair. Andy jumping in on Facebook. Appreciate the question, my friend. He says, hey, guys, so if we don't get any better this year, record wise, player wise, would you consider trying to sway coach? Oh, uh, Eric the enemy from the Chiefs. He needs to be back in Colorado. Thanks, guys. You know, I'm just not ready to to go there with you because, listen, Vic Fangio, we we told you that week one with that snafu at the end, not calling timeout and whatnot. That created some fissures of doubt for both Zach and I and I think everyone that's paying attention. Some, but, but he's been dealt such a raw hand this year. It's not a cop-out. It's not an excuse. I am sitting here on pins and needles. Can't wait to see how this season turns out because if Fangio wins even seven games this year, and I don't say this to lower your expectations. I'm just putting it in perspective, Zach. If Fangio comes out and wins seven, eight games this year, with the absolute epidemic of injuries that this team has suffered to all of its star players almost. I mean, why would you want to dispense with that guy as a coach? So I'm just not quite there yet. I get the draw and the fact that EB is a, is a CU guy and all that stuff, but I'm just not quite there yet.
4: Yeah. In terms of firing Fangio, my mind isn't, isn't focused on that yet. We still have such a, a long season left to go guys. It's still only week three coming up and the enemy is, He's he's really good and he's earned a head coaching job. But you wonder how much of that was a product of Andy Reid, like like anyone else, uh, some underling to a really great head coach. You wonder how much is really him and not the not his boss calling the plays. But I think he's earned a shot. I don't know if the Chiefs would let him come to Denver. I think they kind of blocked that if they could. Uh, but you know, yeah. I'm not ready
3: to go there with Fangio as as are you yet, Chad? Maybe they would, but you, we've seen the. Maybe it's the Broncos organization, but I mean, how many head coaches did the Raiders hire that were ex Broncos assistants? You know, like Dennis Allen, Jack Del Rio. Uh, I'm going back in time, trying to think if there's any other ones. But still, they could, depending on his his contract, if it's if there's a clause in it or something that prohibits them from doing it, they could block him uh, potentially. Jeff C, jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend, bona fide superstar. In. The chat, every single night, showing us love, helping keep the lights on here at MHH. Appreciate you, Jeff. He says, I don't understand why they don't remove Elijah. Fangio, in his stubbornness, is going to decimate quarterbacks and running backs. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life, but it hurts to be right now. Hey, man, we wish we had an answer for you. You know, at this point, we're all just sitting here at a loss, twiddling our thumbs, Zach. I literally don't know what else to say because we see it. You know, we see it just like you. The coaches don't, though. For whatever reason, they're sticking with Elijah for now. My bet is that it, if it continues at this pace, which there's no reason to think that it won't, it'll change because it's Elijah. We saw what he was like for 12 starts last year. You know, Maybe after the first quarter of the season, more likely if they do make a change, it'll be coming out of the bye.
4: How ironic, though, if it comes this week against Dotson's former team. You know, it's certainly plausible if either JPP or Shaq Barrett just start teeing off on Jeff Driscoll, they can't allow it to happen. It's literally negligence. It's It's incomprehensible how they look at a right tackle, who's not a tackle, by the way, as bad as Wilkinson, and keep him in the game after losing your would-be franchise quarterback. I don't have a reasoning for it, Chad. You don't have one. We all don't know. We can assume it's a man crush on Munchak's part on Wilkinson. We can assume it's about the money or that Dotson is literally that bad in practice. But again, I raise the question, if it's the latter, why is he on the roster?
3: Yeah, indeed. Our friend Troy, a.k.a. Eclipse Stormborn, holding down the fort in the city of brotherly love, rocking the football priest hat. Love that, dude. Thank you. Really appreciate you. He says, happy Thursday, priest and Bronco's family. Off topic, but I hope you all and your families are doing well.
2: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
3: You stay safe out there. Hashtag state of being. You as, you well, as well, my friend. This is yeah. just, we all know 2020, we joke about it just being such a dumpster fire of a year. But... You know, there's serious reasons why it's been that way from the um, from the, the pandemic to the uh, social upheaval and the things that are happening politically. It being an election year. It's a very topsy turvy time. I mean, election years are always crazy and emotional and fiery and whatnot. But this year takes the cake. Undoubtedly, I've never seen anything like it in all my 40 years of, of being on this earth. So I echo that, Troy. Everybody stay safe out there and, uh, you know, keep your chin up, though.
4: And, guys, we're on the almost the last week of September now. we got two more months of this year to go, and then
3: <laughs> the misery hopefully gets finally over. Kenneth Booker jumping in. And, by the way, Kenneth, it was great to connect with you on Twitter and uh, verify that that was indeed Kenneth Booker. I'm like, is, that, is this Kenneth? Yes, it's Kenneth. Good to know. Um, and I look forward to carrying on some conversations from the stream to Twitter from time to time when we're in between. He says, any news on Philip Lindsay. They also need to run – and run play action. I'll tell you, let me look at the practice report. I'm pretty sure he didn't practice today. Yeah,
4: he didn't. He, uh, he ain't playing this week.
3: Yeah, if he did not practice yesterday, did not practice today. That yeah. typically telegraphs that he's not going to play this week. And it's his toe. He literally
4: cuts off that and uses that to do his job. So I think they're going to sit him for one more week and hope. I, I, and maybe if Melvin Gordon didn't play as well as he did last week, they would push Lindsey a little more. But two, two DNPs, Chad, in, in one week, it's a bad sign.
3: Here's Troy saying it, talking about me blowing out my Achilles. Come on, Chad. I'm 37 <laughs> and smoked cigs and I ran a 497.40. Going <laughs> to get on that uh, video this weekend. All right. Yeah, I want to see it, dude. I want to I want to see that clock, my friend. Let me see that 497. Um, Jay Roper. What's he saying here? The lords of the huddle, dropping some knowledge. Yeah, the lords. Right. I like it. A little Gandalf action. I think our, our friend and uh, superstar in the community, Mundungus, might be a little bit... Uh, take exception to talking wizards and, and Broncos without his name being in the conversation, but shout out to Mundungas. I don't know if he's with us here tonight, but uh, let's see what else we got here. Here's David. Oops. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, we'll grab Chris next. David jumping in to say Sutton ACL MCL to contract year next year. Not this year. Wait, right. 18, 19, 20. Yeah. twenty twenty one is his contract year. What do they do one year? So I think Zach, Provided his recovery goes well, I think next summer you do see an extension for Cortland Sutton. I really do.
4: Yeah, you try. You try your hardest to lock him up right now because his value will never be lower than it is right now, Chad. You can get him on a huge discount if you work to lock him up ASAP. And the, the receiver market is always skyrocketing. Amari Cooper got $20 million a year. And that's what Cortland Sutton's looking at on market value contract and free agency. So the Broncos were smart. They're going to have the money rolled over until next year. You sign Cortland Sutton ASAP because he'll never, ever be cheaper.
3: Looks like we got... Uh... Our friend Chris Hernandez, also rocking a little bit, going back and forth from Twitch to YouTube. Shout out to you, my friend. All right, John, throw up that one that uh, from Chris as well. I don't know. There he is. Appreciate you, my dog. Jumping Thank back you, in on Super Chat. Speaking of incomplete, I can hardly wait to hear the crowd on Sunday chanting that to Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, but Tom Brady. Incomplete. Yeah, it's going to be great, man. It's, again, it's a fraction of the the capacity, of, of course, but close to 6,000 fans. And like you, I think I'm hopeful it's going to give the Broncos just a little bit of juice. I'll just be happy to hear that again. You, you just laid out
4: how bad 2020 has been. I'll just be happy to hear incomplete, you know, live in this year once again.
3: Jay Roper jumping in with a good question here. Honest question. Do you think Drew Locke is a natural improviser like Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers? I do. And that was part of his scouting report coming out and, you know, looking at, I mean, he even watching his performance at the Senior Bowl, which was, you know, just a flash in the pan type performance in terms of, you know, he's rotating in with other quarterbacks who the, the coaching staffs want to get a look at and whatnot. But yes, he's very much an improviser. I mean, look at that throw across his body, touchdown to Fant in week one. Right. We've seen a lot of, uh, I shouldn't say a lot. We've seen many plays like that from Locke because the sample size is too small at this point to say we've seen a lot of plays like that. But yeah, that's very much in his in his uh, you know his his tool bag so to speak. But you know, it, none of it matters if you're not on the field. So this was something that that uh, Shermer talked about today as well in terms of you know I'll pull up the quote here in a second, Zach. But the idea of learning you know to, how to protect yourself and whatnot. This wasn't this isn't the coaches trying to blame Locke or anything. They're just talking about. You know, how can Drew avoid these type of things in future, how this and that, and he brought it up. We'll get to it here in a second. But as, a, as an improviser, maybe not on the same level quite yet right. as Mahomes, obviously, and Rodgers, but he's got that in him.
4: Yeah, I was going to say his touchdown pass was his improvisational ability on full display. He broke the pocket. He pointed where he wanted Fant in the end zone, and he just plays backyard football. I tweeted a highlight from last year where I compared him to Mahomes. He's not Mahomes. I'll say it again. He's not Mahomes, but he has the same kind of gunslinging backyard mentality like a Mahomes, like a Rodgers, like a Romo, like a Brett Favre. And that's why it's so discouraging he's not on the field right now. That's why it's so discouraging he lost Sutton. He lost Lindsay and all these injuries happened because it really could have been the year of drew Locke. he is not those guys yet but he has the potential and the talent to be those guys and that's what's so distressing about
3: how how everything transpired this year chad let's grab gary here who says no matter how bad it looks it can always get worse the positives about this are: second team is gaining experience starters will come back and we will be locked and loaded Zach, that also reminds me of a report. I want to say it came from our former colleague at CBS Sports, Jason Lockenfora, who said that Va- Vaughn Miller is very focused on coming back this year. He is focused. Yep. Uh, uh, in fact, I'll probably r- drop an article on that tonight. Um, he's focused on coming back this year. So that's why, you know, it's just another reason why it's important to win as many of these games without Locke and Vaughn and, as you can because when you get Lock back, you're going to have to kick this thing into overdrive and give the Broncos a reason to activate Miller, assuming he recovers and everything's fine, in December at some point.
4: I'm just, how many times have we heard that rationale or justification, just, oh, at least we'll be good next year. You're getting the young guys some experience. At least we're not the Jets. At least we're not the Browns. I'm so tired of settling for mediocrity. And I'm i am the biggest realist you guys will ever see or hear or, or meet virtually. And I'm even not... Willing to throw in the towel after two weeks, Chad. If this was week eight and all these things happened, the Broncos were one and seven or two and six, then yeah, I'd be willing to say, look to next year, gain the young guys some experience. But Locke is coming back this season. Lindsay's coming back this season. They still have some pieces on both sides of the ball. They have on paper the coaching. It's still young. I'm not ready to talk about, you know, just looking forward to 2021
3: now and beyond. Yep. TS4 jumping in on YouTube with a question. What's the possibility to watch a game with you guys one day? Would that be a super fan contest? We should have. We look, we had something similar in mind for the draft this year. We had a big plan. We had a room reserved in Vegas. It was going to be great. Meet and greet, hang out, whatever you want to call it with the community. And of course the pandemic had different designs. Now, as soon as it, as soon as the, um, uh, risk factor, as soon as things stabilize more, on the pandemic side of things and you you can start tailgating around the game. You can start doing things. We're going to have some things like that where we'll get together and whether it's a tailgate, whether it's meeting up at Brooklyn's or somewhere host to get together close to the stadium. And even if we don't go into the stadium and watch it together, obviously it's not going to be easy to, you can't really sit together in a stadium when you're buying aftermarket tickets and whatnot, but hold like a, a game party at one of the locals there close to the stadium and do something in the meantime, you know, just hang with us, and hopefully things do slow down soon with the, with regard to that, and we can all get back to normalcy, and then we can plan some fun things just like that. Uh, Dan Ward jumping in. Hey, guys, on Facebook, what I think's been overlooked is the play of Martin. Okay, Sam Martin. Geez, for a second there, I'm like, Martin? His punting accuracies and pinning teams deep has been impressive. Hashtag Broncos for life. Yeah, but he giveth and he taketh away because if he doesn't drop that <laughs> yeah, really locked-on, dead, perfect, long snap in the fourth quarter and allow a safety that final drive for Jeff Driscoll. He doesn't need a touchdown. He needs a field goal to send it to overtime. You're not throwing it. Maybe you still throw it on fourth and two. I don't know, but you don't have to throw it on fourth and two. You can kick the field goal, force it to overtime. That's what you got. I mean, it's like, come on, man, you take one step forward, Sam, and we're all singing your praises. And then you leap two or three steps back. Not good.
4: I'm only half joking when I say this, but every punter Tom McMahon gets his hands on from Marquette King to Colby Wadman. And now Sam Martin, there's some comedy of errors. And you know what though, in all seriousness, Sam Martin was the MVP of Denver in week one. He's a major asset to have on special teams. Yeah. He shouldn't have fumbled that snap. Yeah. It was ultimately the difference in a close game, Uh, but he's been really solid so far, Chad. He's been one of the
3: lone bright spots in a dark two weeks. Let's grab Tom El Greco. Up there in Canada, once again, appreciate you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Speaking of Canada, this is like the first time in my memory I can think of Terry Randall not being in the chat stream. I haven't seen him. John, if I'm missing something, you tell me. I, I mean,
4: I think he popped in. I think I saw him. Okay, yeah. good.
3: Can the authorities charge Elijah Wilkinson for attempted murder on Drew? Uh, some some way to get him off the field, just saying. I know. I mean, the problem with that play that got Locke hurt is it really was kind of a comedy of... Uh, of errors that led to it because yes, it was Wilkinson that allowed the initial pressure from TJ Watt that put lock off his spot and got him moving to the right, but Locke stumbled. And then along the way they ran the stamp uh, the stunt where Bud Dupree and uh, well, I guess I should say where Garrett Bowles and Dalton Reisner failed to really pass each other, uh, pass their guys off so that Dupree had a free rush from uh, behind to, to drew Locke, And you know, there's just, a few different factors there, but we still get your point, my friend. And I know you're being tongue in cheek, but yeah, the point remains. The sooner you can get Demar Dotson on the field, I think the better everyone in Broncos country is going to feel.
4: You could also charge Wilkinson with theft because anything more than a penny he's making, Chad, is too much. He's, um, it's not an exaggeration or hyperbole. He's been truly dreadful and rotten as a right tackle through two games. All right. Charlie Beagle
3: talking about, uh, there is a reason I wanted to show this talking about how would you grade, from Mike's great question, how would you grade the offense, how would you grade the defense? I concur with this, what he's saying here. On the pass rush, it's an F, or at least it's a failing grade. <clears throat> Granted, they're two sacks ahead of where they were this time last year because it took them four games to get their first sack on the board in 2019, but it's been almost non existent. I mean, what's his name? Jerry Itachi. Geez, I almost had a brain fart there has put together a few rushes, a few good rushes, got home and got a sack. It was a hustle sack. It wasn't a beat my guy off the edge, you know, straight to the quarterback type of of sack, but he got a sack. He's had a few good rushes. Chubb looked better in that department in week two, but still not quite back to his old self. And going against Tom Brady, it's just a different game, and it goes for any quarterback. Tom Brady, no different, even though he's, you know, 41 or whatever he is now. But you got to be able to affect his rhythm with the pass rush. And Zach talks about this all the time. Fangio likes to play coverage, but this is one of those games where if your edge guys are not getting the job done, you got to find a way Zach to manufacture pressure. And that means taking a few chances in terms of sending extra guys. And, you know, why don't you run some stunts every once in a while? We see stunts work on the Broncos. Why don't you run some stunts Fangio? You did that like crazy to great success in Chicago. Why aren't you doing more of those type of things? The manufacturing of the pass rush, you have to get creative when Von Miller is on injured reserves, Zach. And Bradley
4: Chubb is not 100%. Perfectly said, Chad, and uh, especially now since Draymond Jones and Demarcus Walker are – out of action. You have to bring pressure off the edge. You're going to have to send Bryce Callahan. He was a good blitzer in Chicago. Kareem Simmons can blitz. Justin Simmons can blitz. You cannot play coverage against Brady because he doesn't just have Godwin and Evans. He has three really good tight ends. And even if you throw, you know, wash Gronk out of the equation, Cameron and OJ Howard can cripple this defense if, if they're allowed to. So he's going to have to get in Brady's face, throw him off his rhythm because 43-year-old Brady or 23-year-old Brady, the way to beat him like any quarterback, is to pressure him. Let's
3: grab this Super Chat from W.E., who anytime W.E. is in the chat stream, he's participating in the conversation, he's getting in questions, he's supporting the cause on Super Chat, and we really appreciate you, W.E. And if you're on Twitter, reach out, and maybe you're already following, make sure we know who you are, and if not, get on there and connect with us so we can shout you out and tag you on Twitter. Appreciate your support. He says, we should have picked up Nelson over Chubb, talking about the guard in 2018. Should have given a fifth year option to Bowles. Right tackle, we're setting ourselves up for failure. I do agree that I think at this point the way Bowles is looking, the first two games, you might have made a mistake not picking up that fifth year option. It's looking that way anyway. I'm not making any fatalistic, you know, uh, bold final final type of uh, statement there, but I. Zach, if Bradley Chubb doesn't tear his ACL last year, I don't think that's even a question on anyone's mind that they should have done something different in, in, with the fifth pick. Other than maybe taking one of the quarterbacks like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. You know, other than that, I don't think anyone's worrying about the fact that Chubb was the number five overall pick for Denver in 2018. Right. So, you know, my point being though, he's going to get back to health at some point, and I think it's going to happen this year about the time that for the first quarter of the season is is in the books is when you'll start see him kind of looking like his old self. And he looked a lot more, for what it's worth, like his old self last week, especially against the run, setting the edge, doing his thing. But the pass rush, again, it's not there. I, I get your point, W.E., but where do you play Nelson? I guess you play him at left guard. Dalton Reisner, though, what, he's your right tackle? Do you still make that pick in 2019? I don't know. He doesn't Reisner. get drafted. Zach, I had a lot of hopes for Reisner, and I still do have hopes for Reisner, but I'm really surprised at his struggles early on this year. He has not been good.
4: Well, he has Bowles as his left tackle, and the center is a rookie in Cushionberry, so it's not exactly a great opportunity for him. I, I'm not worried about Reisner; I think he'll bounce back. And this is all revisionist, and it's all hindsight, Chad. I mean, I, I'm the biggest Bowles detractor around, and I, I'm, you know, I'm, I was agreeing with them not giving him the fifth year option. So you can make a case they they could have deserved it by now, but let's let's wait and see how Bowles plays over the course of 14 more games. Nelson over Chubb. I know that in 2018, when Chubb was just dominant, looking better than Von Miller, everyone was happy that they got him and not Denzel Ward. We were all thanking the Browns for taking Denzel Ward and having Chubb fall to the Broncos. Nelson's looking like a future Hall of Famer. Bradley Chubb is looking like a perennial pro bowler. I don't think you can go wrong in either spot. I'm not ready to throw Bradley Chubb away, though. You know he's so young. He had such a great rookie year. He's coming back from the ACL in 2021. I hate to say it, when he's fully healthy, you will see the old Bradley
3: Chubb again, and these questions won't come back up. One of our Facebook supporters jumping in, Roger Gutke, an official supporter, he says, "What coach or player is going to help raise the morale for the team?" <laughs> you know, I think the morale guys. Unfortunately, one of them's hurt, and that's Philip Lindsay, but he's still in the locker room. He's not on injured reserve. I think Philip Lindsay is, is a morale guy. I think Drew Locke is a morale guy, injured, but not on injury reserve, so he's around. Um, Justin Simmons, Kareem are both big morale guys. It doesn't help when Shelby Harris is walking off the field in week one talking about, what was it? I don't remember his exact quote, Zach, but we're you know losing ways or we're, we're losers or something. I can't remember what he said, but that doesn't help. Morale guys, though. It's just the leaders in the locker room. Who are they? I mean, I think everyone knows who the leaders are. Dalton Reisner is one of them. Right. Uh, Graham Glasgow is one of them. Uh, it's Glasgow, by the way, not Glasgow. And, uh, you know, from there, it's the coaches are going to do their thing. But, yeah, the, the players do have to step up and help keep that everyone's chin up. I was
4: going to say Dalton Reisner because he's an underratedly very positive and outwardly, you know, encouraging guy. And those are always important to have in the locker room. But the biggest thing, not necessarily person that's going to raise the morale is winning. You beat the Bucs this week. It's a new season. They're going to have a 100% confidence, momentum. They're going to feel good about themselves, and they're going into a winnable game against the Jets. If they can beat the Bucs, they will have a, a spark underneath them, Chad, like we haven't seen since Locke entered the, the lineup last season. So don't give up on them just yet, and just let's just see how Sunday's game plays out.
3: All right, one or two more, um, and then we'll get out of here because you got a Thursday night game going on, plus the, I'm pretty sure the Nuggets are on tonight. So uh, – We'll get one or two more. If you got anything on your mind, you got to exercise some demons, get them in there. Whether it's a question or a super chat, we'll get out of here at a decent hour here tonight. But Sleek trust says Eric Davis says Drew Locke is a solid backup quarterback. Do you think he's a backup? I don't think so. He says, Zach, we have uh, we have basically poo pooed on the whole Eric Davis thing. Like it was so ridiculous to me that I didn't even bother making an article about it to to <laughs> you know sh- shoot him down so to speak, but. No, I don't view him as a backup. I do view him as a guy with potential in spades, but potential does not pay the bills. He has got to stay on the field so that he can produce. I remain confident that even as a second-year player, if he's on the field, he's giving you top 15 caliber quarterback play, but it just it interrupts all the flow. It interrupts all of his momentum, all of his progress. You know, when you're getting hurt like this two years in a row. So once you get him back – You know, I think you're going to see some good things about Locke and all those doubts that people are having right now because he's hurt. And then everyone starts paying attention to what the haters were saying. Guys, remember the hashtag Zach, let them
4: hate. How can I express how little I don't care what Eric Davis has to say? I, I mean, didn't he make these comments before the season even started? I remember us talking about this or they knew her comments because he made this before Locke even got hurt. So solid backup quarterback. You're saying that when he went four and one last year and was surrounded by this weaponry before all the injuries took hold. I really don't care what Eric Davis has to say at
3: all. All right, guys, there's one here. Bear with me one second. One or two more, and then we really do got to jet on out of here. From Dan on Facebook, really good question. On the defensive side of the discussion, is anyone else sick of seeing cornerbacks giving 10 yards of cushion? Me. My opinion, unless it's 15-plus yards to gain or early downs, they need to be on the line jamming receivers. I think you just need to to mix it up. And unfortunately, Fangio likes his DBs playing off coverage outside of certain situational moments in the game. And I think – you know, a, a beleaguered kind of pressing rookie like Michael O'Jamudia. Look, he's 6'1". He's got some size. He's got some length. Let him use that uh, and jam some guys. I think you need to mix it up, especially when you're not getting pressure. You need to figure out how to disrupt those routes. I'm with you on that, Dan, and I hope Fangio starts working that more into his repertoire.
4: And and playing Devontae Bosby, who thrives in press coverage with his big arms and his long lean frame. I mean, you have the corners, him, Ojemudia, and even Bryce Callahan. He can get physical at the line of scrimmage as well. He did that in Chicago. I hate off coverage. I hate cushions. I hate 10 yards off. I screamed about it in the Titans game. I don't like when Fangio does it. Press the cornerbacks. Muscle them off the line of scrimmage, especially physical big guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and pressure Tom Brady. I want to see aggressiveness this week, Chad, not
3: pat- passivity at all. All right, two more Super Chats came in. We're going to grab those, and then we'll bounce on out of here. Chris Valdez, a name we don't recognize on Super Chat, and he tells us why right here. He says, Glad I can finally make a live podcast. Thanks, y'all. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Thanks for popping in and uh, showing us some love and support. Really appreciate it. If you're on Twitter, make sure you reach out and connect with us. Let us know who you are so that we can shout you out after this chat. And remember, guys, I need to start working this more into our matters of business because it gets missed by some people. If you want to get in on the live stream and, and be part of the conversation live instead of just listening to it after the fact, which is great. Don't get me wrong. However you're participating in the, in the podcast, we love it either way. But if you want to join us live, guys, it's not hard to um, keep track of or remember. We're live literally every single day, 6 p.m. Mountain to 7 p.m. Mountain or 8 Eastern to 9 Eastern, unless it's a game day. And when it's a game day, Zach and I, if it's a Sunday, Monday, or Thursday and the Broncos are playing, we come to you live immediately following the game. So it's as simple as that, <clears throat> easy, <clears throat> excuse me, easy to remember. So, Chris, hopefully that helps you, and we'd love to see you back in the chat uh, when you, you know, tomorrow night, Saturday, and, of course, Zach and I will be going live <clears throat> immediately following the game Sunday. All right, Not Allowed here, another name that uh, is new to us on Super Welcome. Chat. So, and Samuel, King, my me. friend, yeah, appreciate you, and uh, reach out on Twitter. He says, hi, guys, I'm a recent viewer of these podcasts. Cool, appreciate you. Welcome. They are awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Just as you guys said in a past podcast, Locke is gonna be in danger with this O-line. And look what happened. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't want to spend too much time on that topic because I don't want anyone feeling like we somehow jinxed Drew Locke, but it just is, you know, it's it's a natural law. If you allow pressure on a young quarterback, you're gonna get him sacked. And when he's sacked and contact is made with an edge rusher, you know, you're Odds of it becoming an injury, especially outside the pocket, increase. So you know, one plus one is two. It adds up. It's anyone can can do that math, Zach. Unfortunately, the Broncos failed their arithmetic class, and uh, it's you know, it's un- it's unfortunate.
4: I look at the Raiders. Look at the Chiefs. They surrounded young quarterbacks, you know, potential or not. The Chiefs' case, potential, but co- franchise quarterbacks with the proper protection. And I praise the Broncos in January, February, March, April, May, June, July for getting a left guard, a right guard, getting a center signing DeMar Dotson but then August and September rolled around where it became clear they're leaving Wilkinson in right tackle and we saw last year he's an albatross to carry he is a detriment to this offense and he is going to get a quarterback killed like Chad said it's one plus one it's literally football common sense which makes it more maddening that experienced NFL lifers like Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer can't see this and make a change so Anyone could have called this. We're not the only ones. They had to get a better right tackle in the game. They didn't, and now Locke is injured.
3: It sucks, but it was definitely predictable and avoidable. The queen of MHH jumping in before uh, we sign off here tonight. Christy, jumping in, really appreciate you, my friend. And she says, all my love, guys, and uh, appreciate that. Hope everything's going good on your end. Hope you guys are uh, having a good time and rocking it with the pod. We checked out last week's offering and you guys are doing your thing. So congrats on that. And thank you for the support as always, Christy. You know, we love you. Um, Shout out to Shane, dude. Happy birthday, dog. We we see you. And uh, glad you're with us live. I know you listen to every episode after the fact on demand. So shout out to you, Shane. Appreciate you, my friend. And uh, hope you have a great birthday. And I hope you get a a Broncos win as a little uh, punctuation to your birthday week, my friend. All right, Zach, that's got to do it for tonight's podcast. Appreciate each and every one of you joining us here this evening and a mile high salute to our super chat superstars and our Facebook supporters. Again, when we say you guys are keeping the lights on uh, at MHH, especially as it relates to these podcasts and the live streams and YouTube, that's not, I mean, that's the truth. You guys are allowing us to do that. So thank you so much for your support Meantime, guys, Zach and I are off in terms of the podcast till Sunday. But, again, you're going to get – it's seven days a week. You get a live podcast, a live stream from MHH. Tomorrow night, you get Dove Valley Deep Divers. Friday night, Eric Trickle, Lance Sanderson from 6-7 to Mountain. Saturday, it's Mile High Insiders with Luke Patterson Nick Kendall. So there's plenty of more podcast content from MHH to look forward to before the game. And then, of course, don't forget, Zach and I will be coming to you live at halftime of the game. Some quick instant reaction on what we've seen in the first half, and then of course the full gut reaction immediately following the game. So we can't wait to talk to you guys then. In the meantime, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod, also at Mile High Huddle, and especially, gang, if you are one of our superstars on Super Chat you got to connect with Zach and I on Twitter. Make sure we know who you are. So often the YouTube handle is different than the Twitter handle, and you might already be following one of us. and We we don't know that it's you. So if that's the case, hit us over the head with it like a two by four. Hey, this is me. I'm so-and-so. We'll, we'll follow you back, and we want to be able to shout you out and connect with you and, and keep the conversation going. Also, gang, quick reminder, head over to HuddleUpPod.com, get your swag on. And before you bounce on out of here, whether you're with us live or watching this after the fact, subscribe, like this video, share it out there, help us continue to grow. Zach, my friend, have a uh, great weekend. Great job rocking it on the podcast this week. Have a great weekend. And then, of course, you know, we'll uh, circle back and rock this thing, see how the Bucs game's shaping up at halftime.
4: Yeah, I'll catch you Sunday. Everyone else will see you Sunday at halftime. I think, Chad, we're in a very winnable situation in this game. And you know me. I don't really rock the orange-colored glasses too often. But, you know, I'm being realistic. Don't don't count out the Broncos just yet. Don't count out Driscoll. Don't count out the, this roster uh, of talent that they have. They can make this a winnable game. And if they win
3: Sunday, new season. All the hope comes back. Amen. Amen. And, by the way, we how can we fail to mention... The Twitter account of the producer himself, Beast. Follow John John Cronenberg. You can find him on Twitter, at John KMHH, and he's a really fun follow for any Broncos fan. Follow him, guys. Connect with uh, our dude. All right, guys, we got to get out of here. For Zach Kelberman, for John, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll see you, Zach and I, Sunday at halftime, and then, of course, immediately following the game for the gut reaction. Have a good night, and uh, go Nuggets.
2: You've been listening to the Huddle Up
3: Podcast.
2: Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore.